Yes, on the couch this morning with Dr. Roman Hamden, clinical and forensic psychologist based at the Human Relations Institute and Clinics. We'll post up, we've already done it actually, if you're looking for Dr. Raymond's contact details, they're posted up on our website. Check it out, Dubai Today, Dubaii1038.com. He's on hand for the next 45 minutes or so to take your questions on any issues you might be facing where you're in need of guidance from a psychologist. It could be to do with depression, anxiety, uh, mood disorders, behaviour from you or in fact a partner, a loved one, or even in the workplace. So if you're looking for help this morning, then uh, contact us via that text number, or you can call us on 04-423-1010. And we've been talking this morning about relationships, marriages, partners, when perhaps it's not always been the, the most favourable choice to the wider community. So your family, your friends, your work colleagues, where maybe those eyebrows have been raised and even even been met with disapproval at your choice. Uh, why is that? How has it worked for you? Let us know your story on those numbers. And one area to discuss, Dr. Raymond, is where people may live and be married to somebody who is disabled, has a disability, or has faced certain challenges, maybe with illness. Uh, they could be have mental illness or indeed a physical disease, a condition, and how that plays out, whether they've got together during that time or afterwards, and how that can be for, for couples. I have a story for you here, and it's interesting because it's about somebody who has Asperger's syndrome but actually they're really talking about their life and their relationships and how they prefer probably to live separately from a partner but I'll just share it with you Um, I've recently separated after being with my husband for the past 10 years and knowing him for 20 years throughout this process I've had to do a lot of thinking about what works for me and what doesn't one of the things I realized is that my success rate for conventional relationships pretty much sucks Every relationship that I was in that involved either living with someone or seeing them daily and having them in my living space constantly has resulted in me ending the relationship. But I've had two long-distance relationships, both of which were incredible experiences for me, and both times it was the guy who broke it off instead of me. I was talking about this with my ex, who also has Asperger's, and we both say that non-conventional relationships are where it's at for us. I prefer a long-distance relationship where I can go and see him, he can come and see me, but neither of us have to go give up our personal space long term there's a chance this could change for me at some point in my life if I find the right person who really gets my quirks but for right now distance works I like having someone to do something with including intimacy um, company but I don't want to have to be doing their laundry and being with them day in day out Um, freedom I guess is what I'm talking about for both of us having the balance of both ideas um i'm just curious if this is the same for others you know how many other people feel the same way as me a lot of people have role orientation different definitions and your role orientation may not necessarily be completely conservative where a woman is required to do woman things a man's required to do man things as a matter of fact there are women who are more Uh, more um, conservative than men and even more chauvinistic than men. And what's interesting is when two people get married and the man 
uh, picks up his plate from the table to take it to the sink, she gets nervous about that thing and she's not doing her job as the woman. Now, many of you are probably smirking right now thinking, well, boy, goodness gracious, what I'd love it if my husband or my uh, special friend would actually do that. I was just thinking, have I ever felt like that? If somebody's got up and picked the plate above the table? I well, think, some- I just think that was no- normal. <laughs> Well, it should be uh, in today's age. But however, there are some people who are raised to believe that this is what a woman is supposed to do. And it doesn't mean that she's there as a servant, but this is what she does as part of her role description. And men are supposed to cut grass uh, and wash the car and fill it up with gasoline and repair the doors and things like that. So people have role orientations. Some are very conservative. Some are very liberal, actually. And most people now are somewhere in the middle. So they participate in doing all the housework, including fixing the bed, washing the clothes, washing the dishes, uh, vacuum sweeping, as well as both people are working, earning an income for the benefit of the family. And they bring their incomes together to one bank account or separate, whatever. But the role sharing is the key here. When we look at how people want to express themselves, in that role orientation. Also, it may have to do with intimacy, not just household infrastructure. And it can also have to do with, uh, with the children and who's supposed to raise the children. Some people believe that they're responsible for only one part of the role and others, they, have to believe, they believe that they need to do a combination. They need to unite. So it depends on your definition. And the role that you have chosen also needs to match the role of the person that you want to be with. How do they define the role orientation? Again, we get to two people making that definition. The easier description would be the time sharing that we talked about before, time together. If you need to spend 80% of your time with your partner on a daily basis, your partner needs to do the same or want that same amount. It can't be 80-20. It has to be both want 80% or around that. If both of you want to spend 20% together, There's nothing wrong with that either. So if I would say to you, which one is the better relationship? Your response is going to be, which one do you prefer? Because both of those actually work. So just because a person has a traditional kind of a role mindset and their partner does too, doesn't mean that they're old fashioned. That's just their choice of defining role orientation. But don't you think it's how you've been influenced, though, by society and what's expected and deemed to be uh, acceptable, socially acceptable? Because we are seeing more and more across the globe relationships being redefined and being, um, you know, accepted or not accepted, but nevertheless not following what is deemed to be the traditional route. And so that takes us away from what we were saying earlier, that, you know, to meet your partner, your life partner is about sharing values and having um, a foundation that you are from you have a familiar way with each other whether it's culturally or you come from the same place or and yet what we're talking about and beginning to see more and more of the people that are going actually this is the person I choose and it doesn't fit into that that norm well everybody has their different value system their their different approach The key, however, is finding a partner who matches that or is willing to be flexible enough to change it, but not to the point where it compromises our basic personality. We we are, of course, influenced with every experience that we have in life. And if we grow up in life with a very conservative mom and dad, we may actually say we want to maintain that conservative approach in our family and marry a girl just like mom or marry a guy just like dad. But... 
There could be one kid in that family that says, boy, I don't like this at all. I'm going to be just the opposite. I'm going to be very liberal. I'm going to even have a, a swapping kind of a situation where my wife is the one who works. She cuts the grass. She cleans the car. And I'm the one that's going to be strictly a full-time house dad. And I'm going to take care of the kids at home. I'll do the washing, the cleaning, the cooking, and everything else. So it depends on the individuals. Sometimes what we learn from our parents is what we don't want to be. The key, however, is does your partner want the same and is their definition the same? That's going to be the success. Even in the same family, you may find children who get married and they have completely different lifestyles. So you go to one child's home, their lifestyle is completely different than the other child. Now, both of those children were raised by the same parents. Why is there differences? Because of the impact that their lifestyle when they were growing up had on them. It may have been negative. It didn't always have to be positive. Yeah, your thoughts, 4001, and uh, somebody here saying, um, and it's interesting how, and I understand why we have to talk about different nationalities and cultures to kind of, you know, paint the picture. So I'm just relaying what's been written here. I'm a Pakistani national born and brought up in Dubai among a, a multicultural society. However, the women, the woman, the woman I'm in a relationship with is eight years older and she's from Croatia uh, and she's living in her country. We're in discussion to get married and live here in Dubai. However, it's going to be a challenge from both our parents' side as they're both conservative advice the conservative parents is not the problem here it's not even a problem that they are stuck in the way they grew up what you want to do though is you want to introduce this not as a way of competing or combating what you're believing that your parents and the in-law in the future parents are going to want but showing them the individual quality the choice that you're making is a person that can blend into the family, that this is not going to be a difference that will contradict them, but it will be a balance that will move them forward into a different understanding. Parents want what's best for their children. Parents think that what they grew up with is going to be also what's best for you, their child. What you have to show them, though, is that flexibility and adaptability doesn't mean contradiction. It means bringing the same values with different kind of characteristics. So coming back on uh, the couple we're talking about, the person that was writing about their Asperger's and their relationship and deciding that they want a long-term relationship. Uh, Dr. Raymond, uh, for people that are in a relationship where there may be a condition, it could be illness, there could be disease, there could be disability, and how love can still grow, be nurtured, and continue. Yeah, the love relationship that that can exist, again, survives because of the commitment process. And people do get married, and the person that they're married to may become sick, or maybe they've already had an illness or some type of a disorder. That doesn't mean that you're going to say, I don't want to be married to them anymore. However, some people might say, I'm young, I don't want to be putting my energy in caretaking for someone who suffers from a particular disorder. A lot of times we see people who may be um, involved with somebody who has a particular addiction. And that's very frightening for them because they love the person very much, but they don't want to live in a situation where loving someone who can be harmful to themselves is going to exist because that would be too painful to lose them. Now, when we look at things like Asperger's syndrome or Asperger's uh, disorder, we're looking at one of the 
um, autism syndrome, uh, spectrum, rather. And in today's diagnostic manual, we don't have the different ones anymore, even though Asperger's was one of the five different kinds of autistic uh, processes. Today, we just look at it as part of the autism syndrome. It's typically looking at where a person has difficulty with social interaction, nonverbal communications. Do not think of television movies that talk about this as being the typical. Those are very, very textbook, and they're not usual. As a matter of fact, most Asperger's, you would never even know they are. They could be university professors. They could be the friend next door. They could be people that, uh, that you go to their store to do shopping. Uh, they could be uh, people that are just ordinary, everyday people, but have a difficult way of communicating socially and especially with the non-verbal kind of communications. They don't seem to be abnormal. They may look intellectual uh, in your perception of how they function. So when we see people who have Asperger's, unfortunately Asperger's is one of those disorders that also can get misdiagnosed. They, like many times, nerds can be misdiagnosed as Asperger's just because they're studious and they don't balance out their life doesn't mean that they have trouble with social interactions. They're just more selective with their social interaction or their nonverbal communications. We're not looking at everybody having to be a Sheldon uh, from Big Bang Theory to be Asperger's or other than just being a nerd. So people have different degrees when they late, relate to their linguistic ability, their cognitive development process. When we're seeing how a person can love someone, we're not looking at the disease that's, lo- that's lovable. We're looking at the person that's saying, this person is my partner. And if they have an ingrown toenail, or they suffer from cancer, or they suffer from any other kind of a problem, why should that stop me from loving them? You know, it's like when we do adoption cases, consulting internationally. Why is it that we have to say only traditional couples who have no mental health problems can adopt a baby? Well, frankly, if every single parent in this world was going to be having a psychological assessment before they can have a baby, how many people do you think is going to really be having babies on today's planet? There might not be very many babies born if everybody has to meet a certain criteria. Now, what psychologists do in determining this, we're going to determine whether they're destructive to themselves or to somebody else, whether they can be harmful or not. That's the key, whether they're single parents or whether they're couples that are traditional or liberal parents, doesn't matter. The same thing when we want to love somebody. We accept them. It's not a matter of tolerance. It's a matter of accepting them and everything that they have. What we also want to make sure, though, is that they have that same value system, that if we become sick, are they going to be as loving and caring with us? What binds two people together? It could be a sense of humor, the same sense of humor, being able to laugh together. It could be about the conversations you can share together. Like you said, that joint belief. It could be about social affairs. It could be current affairs. It could be political, whatever it is that you want to talk about. And you find that bond, that common bond with that other person. They're the kind of things that bind people. That's where love grows from, is that shared sense of some a connection with somebody. Uh, so it's interesting isn't it how we choose our partners and when one can look at another and go how could those two people be together yet you know others might be looking at them saying how could you two be together so it's how you define like you said before how you define as a couple what love is to you and what your relationship is to the two of you and you're pointing out something very very correct that that 
should always be remembered. You make your relationship work by showing gratitude to your partner. That helps the relationship grow. It's not only giving them a sense of well-being. You actually become happier by showing gratitude. You're both seeking that kind of cooperation. You know, the best affair to have is with your partner. It doesn't have to be with somebody else. And one of the things we commonly hear when people have moved away from the relationship of their marriage and have gotten involved with somebody else is they really believe that the other person was giving them opportunities to talk without condemning them, without giving them a history of ill repute without giving them uh, a problems that they should be dealing with. They're not being judged, but they're being able to have a relationship where they can talk, they can laugh, they can share stories and not be ridiculed or condemned. This is what you want to establish with your partner, not somebody else. So for the parents, uh, this person's texting saying, my parents have been married for 40 years. I grew up in a very loving family environment. However, from the past 10 years, the relationship between my parents has deteriorated. It was a slow process, but now it seems they can't stand one another, especially my mom. It seems she can't stand being around my dad anymore. This is really depressing for us, the kids, to see our parents this way. We are five kids. Can you offer any advice? Parents and Other people, as yourselves in your own relationship, can move away from each other without even knowing why. Now, many times, and I don't know anything about this family, where they're coming from, the dynamics that took place. What if they had a relationship, mom and dad, where one was very domineering and the other is tired of being domineered upon? They don't want to be controlled anymore. And maybe they had a relationship of difficulty that you didn't even see as children. And maybe mom felt that she was oppressed the whole time. So here's her chance now that you're grown up and moved away from home, it sounds like might be the case. What she's saying is, I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. I don't want to be treated like I'm some trophy on the wall. I don't want to be treated like I'm a controllable puppet or a marionette. I have my own personality. I have my own way of thinking. I don't want this person in my life condemning me anymore, making me feel bad, or not that there's such a thing of anybody making you anything. But in the dynamics, she may have felt that she could not be herself. And she resented that. Yeah, uh, I think it's interesting looking at this. It's almost like turning the scenario around, isn't it? We've been talking about how maybe parents disapprove of our relationships, but here's a scenario where it's like your parents have been married for 40 years. You're proud of that. You have an idea of who your parents are. You've been brought up in a loving environment. And the idea that that they might break up, even if it makes them happier. I mean, you don't want it to happen, but if it means the two people end up being happier... It's really difficult for kids, whatever age, to accept that the parents are no longer together. The foundation is the family together. And whenever there's a divorce or a breakup of any sort, it breaks that foundation. It takes away from the, from the essence of the unity, that sense of belonging. So it's not just the divorce of the parents as husband and wife, it's also the breakdown of that foundation that was the stabilizing force for you to grow. Now, 
to understand why it happens, we look at what went on with the parents, things that the children may not have ever known. They may never have been privileged to know that because the parents wanted to keep it away sure, from them. Sure, but if they're grown up now and their parents aren't happy, I understand and I sympathise, but I do think it's a similar scenario where we put an expectation on what we deem to be socially acceptable the norm what we feel comfortable with but actually some people will say but i'm not happy so i need to break that convention to say i'm not happy and just leave it at that and get a divorce may be very irresponsible Mm. and it's not a very good model uh, for others my recommendation to people is that if you're considering to, to get a divorce can you actually say I've done everything that I can possibly do to keep this marriage together for the right reason. And there's many, many different exercises that qualified psychologists who specialize in marriage therapy will have people go through. If they don't stay together for the right reason after going through those sessions that give them exercises to do in their daily life, then they can divorce for the right reason. And when that happens, the children may be more accepting of it because there's a better understanding. But when the parents don't let their children know what's going on and all of a sudden they say we're breaking up or we're not getting along, that can be very destructive. Mm, no, fair enough. And uh, hopefully you'll be able to talk to each other and understand better. Um, lots of messages to get through, Dr. Raymond. Uh, one here regarding... Um, well, actually, I'm, I'm gonna say, uh, there's a lot to get through. Let's see. Can we get this one in just before the break? This one from one of our listeners saying, thank you for a great topic speaking about a very uh, difficult and common point, really, when it comes to relationships. And she asks, how long is the is it normal, if you like? What's the right kind of duration and period um, for somebody to expect a proposal? How long should a woman wait to see if the guy is willing to commit um, to their relationship, you know, where do you move from just dating to actually seeing a serious, you know, exclusive commitment? She's well, asking, obviously, this listener who's kind enough to write in is traditional. She's waiting on him to ask. And she's uh, suggesting she two ask? years. Two years is that the right well, amount of time? You know, Too long? With, not long enough? Well, with today's generation, sometimes it could go on even longer than that. Uh, in the earlier generations, they would say usually six weeks. Then the next generation, well, six months is enough. Some people want to kind of get a learner's permit before they get the driver's license, and they want to kind of try each other out. That's actually becoming a much more accepted phenomena around the world, even in places where you think that, that there's very conservative kind of outlook on this. We're seeing a lot more people that are actually having uh, different kinds of living together experiences before they do it with the blessings of the family. Now, this, again, is traditional, uh, non-traditional. It's the choice of the families and how they accept it. To say what is connectedly a good time frame for, a, for an engagement, it's usually six months to a year. And coming back on the lady that texted in regarding, you know, how long should one wait for a proposal or a commitment from their partner or from the person they're dating? And uh, she's come back to say, yes, I am traditional. I'm 35. And how can I know if my time is being wasted or is he really going to sort things out and commit and let's get married? It's uh, very difficult and it's very emotional for this person. Just from the fact that you're making that statement, it's time for you to bow out of this relationship. You can tell the person you love them, that you care about them, but it's not moving in the direction that you need it to move in at this station in your life.
Uh, somebody else is saying, I find it really strange at this uh, day and age that uh, one a woman would be waiting for him to propose and uh, saying, you know, be brave. It's a new world. Well, you know, it's not always easy for people. And actually, it's about respecting individuals beliefs and cultures but nevertheless you know he's making a good point that in this day and age for some women it is you know you don't have to wait for the man to propose you can do it you can, a, per- uh, a person who is traditional doesn't have to change they just need to find someone who also is traditional it's never a matter of right and wrong it's a matter of your preference so some people are very very uh, much liberal and say i doesn't care i can ask i don't have to wait for him or some people say, no, I want to maintain it traditional, and he will have to go and ask for my hand from my parents. Either way works. What works for you also has to be complementary in the way it works for your hopeful partner. Mm. And similarly, if you have a more, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say it's not traditional. Maybe it's a new tradition. I don't know. But if you it's just about finding somebody that marries up to your beliefs and your way of doing things, trying to get, the, get as close as you can to that. Um, One of the most interesting work that we do in our in our practice is premarital coaching we have young couples that their parents send them or they come on their own to look at who they are we do about it's almost like a two-day marathon and we have them for two full days they're looking at everything about how they think feel and behave and learn more about their partner and also look at future things that they can prevent problems by knowing how to cooperate in, in the gratification that's needed to be expressed. Uh, a gentleman here called Mo who is saying, I'm confused, I feel lost. He's basically talking about uh, his marriage to his wife. They've been married for eight years, um, but the intimacy has gone from their relationship, particularly it seems since his wife had a baby. And he's saying, you know... Uh, there are options, but I, you know, I want to do the right thing and I don't know what the right thing is to do to get their marriage back on track. One of the things you and your wife want to do is look at the reason for the change in the frequency of intimacy. It's not unusual after the birth of a baby that the frequency of intimacy lessens, not just from the man, but usually the woman first. That's because hormonally, when the baby is born, it triggers off an enzyme in her that changes her a direction. She's now going to be too more, too much more focused on being a mom than a wife. She doesn't want to be dealing with the wife part yet. Usually, in four to six weeks after the delivery, the hormonal changes take place, and she is now starting to look at more interest in being a wife, not just a mom. Sometimes, however, the postpartum chemical changes don't take place as rapidly. This can sometimes go anywhere from six months to a year. The worst case scenario I've ever dealt with with postpartum depression was five years. And this is what may be needed to be addressed, not just psychologically, but medically as well. This is where gynecologists might not even believe in this because it's not textbook for them. And you'd have to deal with an endocrinologist to have to look at the evaluating the hormonal things while getting them of the psychological interventions. Don't look for alternatives because that's going to be very destructive. Even if you come from a situation where you're allowed to have alternatives, don't do it. That can be very destructive. That can just support a breakup that doesn't have to happen. So understanding what's going on medically, what's going on psychologically is essential.
Uh, somebody else here saying um, the pushiness for marriage by the girl I loved and my mother's disapproval of the marriage caused us to end the relationship. However, I've a problem forgetting those memories, those lovely memories and even connecting with new partners because I behave as someone who craves love from someone I just met. How can I forget the past and create better memories in the future? You can never forget, but you will forgive. You're going to be able to forgive much better once you get over the guilt for having allowed that breakup with somebody that you care about. What you're really saying is you resent your mom for being too controlling and domineering, but you're feeling guilty for not being man enough to have gone in the way that you know you should have gone with someone who was loving. And if your parents accepted, that'd be great. When your parents see the acceptance that you have with your partner, regardless of where they come from, and that you and your partner have a good, strong relationship, they cannot break in between you and wedge you apart from each other. That then gives the parents the confidence that you made the right decision. But you're always wondering, Mommy, should I do this? Daddy, should I do that? They'll never have the confidence to have you make your own decision. You need to be able to know that your decision is the correct decision. With that kind of strength that you have with your partner, no one, not even your parents, can wedge between you. So you will never forget a beautiful relationship but you'll be able to forgive the fact that you didn't follow through with that relationship when you deal with the guilt and the resentment effectively and that enables you then to move on and uh and meet someone else hopefully and create better oh, you memories definitely will yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, there's seven billion people on the planet <laughs> and frankly the research says that you have to date 20, 200 people to find the one right soulmate <laughs> kind of thing you know who's got time for that uh, somebody here looking for a bit of time I think they're saying that my mom travels when my mother travels my father literally changes into a three year old child totally clueless on how to operate in the kitchen I think if I would not help um, I don't know what to do he, he wants you know with fruit water if I didn't leave that for him he would just fade away um, so that's just somebody expressing their frustration of their parent today or dad is very manipulative and he wants to pretend like he's a dummy and he's always somebody to take care of him. Uh, that could be one explanation for that. One of the things that, that would be helpful is to actually teach him how to do that. Make him walk into the kitchen with you to get a glass of water. So, okay, dad, this is how you do it. You want fruit? Let me show you where the fruit is. Let me show you how to cut the fruit. So by putting dad through that process and giving him the experience, the guided experience, he can't use it as an excuse or manipulate you to do everything for him. He has to learn how to do it himself. It's also good exercise. <laughs> it takes all sorts. Somebody here saying, I met a Brit the other day. And that's uh, somebody from Britain, I think. <laughs> I met a Brit. So that's what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I met a Brit the other day and I could not believe how class orientated she was. Her daughter will never be able to marry beneath her class. I do not come from a country where class matters. Thank goodness. Well, there you go. The conversation continues. The foibles of relationships of people the ones we like, the ones we don't like very much, how we get together, how we stay together. But above all, it's just being happy, being kind and living the best life that you possibly can. Uh, Dr. Raymond, as always, a pleasure having you by my side today. And you'll be back in the chair on the couch next Wednesday, but with Ray Addison. Well, we'll look forward to that. We'll miss you, though. It'll be the two rays. There you yeah, go, the on the rays. couch. Yeah. yeah, I'll be on leave. And um, thank you, Raymond, and uh, happy travels for you through the summer. 
Yeah, we're going to look forward to coming back in September all together and yeah. continue with the good work. Exactly. And if you want to connect with Dr. Raymond and his team at the Human Relations Institute and Clinics, then we've posted up all their details on our website. So go to the blog post on the Dubai Today page or via our Facebook page. And our winner today, joining the Dubai Eye team at Iftar on June the 27th at the JW Marriott Marquis. Then Clive, congratulations. You and a guest will be joining the presenters and the rest of the gang here as we celebrate and mark the holy month of Ramadan.